Welcome everybody back to Previously on Lost, and we're all taking a little trip tonight to Tallahassee. That's right, myself, Corey, and Steven are just three men from Tallahassee, and uh, not not really. It, it's hot and humid down there. I don't think I want to be anywhere near uh, Florida right now, but we are going to be talking about the man from Tallahassee uh, tonight on the podcast. And like I said, I have with me Corey and Steven. Uh, guys, how's it going? Going Dude, good. Go, yeah, going really well. Excited about this episode. Submarines and wheelchairs. I mean, it's good stuff. And leftover chicken. Nothing like leftover chicken. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Love Is that it. a Costco chicken? That's what it looked like. <laughs> Costco. <laughs> oh. Is there a Costco I, on the island? <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder whose cabin has the rotisserie, though. I mean, they got to be keeping it somewhere. Got to be Juliet. It seems like something that uh, Ethan might have. Ethan. <laughs> Ben's like, I hope they kill Ethan. I want his rotisserie in my house. <laughs> I could do it. Th- I could steal it then. <laughs> uh, now it all makes sense. Oh, that's funny. Uh, well, listen, guys, I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into this episode. So you guys know where to find us on all of our social medias. Check it out. We are part of the RetroZap Network. Go to RetroZap.com for all the information. So we're just going to jump right in because I have a feeling we have a lot to talk about tonight on our podcast. So this episode, The Man from Tallahassee, was Season 3, Episode 13. It first aired March 21st, 2007, directed by Jack Bender and written by Drew Goddard and Jeff Pinkner. Uh, the summary is Kate and Saeed are captured in the other's village while trying to rescue Jack, but John Locke escapes and finds the recovering Ben trapped on his bed. John asks Alex to bring Saeed's backpack with explosives, and then he goes to the submarine to destroy it. Meanwhile, John recalls how he became paraplegic after having another encounter with his con artist father, Anthony Cooper, who John tried to thwart his latest con victim, and Mr. Cooper attempted to kill him. All right, I have some episode facts here for us. Uh, First up, security employees at the Honolulu International Airport accidentally destroyed some of the film (laughs) from this episode by X-raying the canisters as they were about to be flown to Hollywood for processing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The footage had to be reshot. I don't know what the system is there, but I mean, are these people to blame, or is there some sort of system that's supposed to be done where that you know those don't have to go through an X-ray? But that, uh, I mean, that's a lot of money <laughs> to reshoot yeah. that stuff. But I mean, they're just doing their jobs, though. I mean, they didn't know, probably. I, I, yeah. I think with our new technology, though, hopefully this is a problem that won't be revisited again. Seems yes. Like. Yeah, I mean. Oh, did I just go really loud? Sorry. No, yo, you're good. It's good. Oh, okay. It's just my headphones. Um, if we're talking about actual film, you know, then the most shows are not using film anymore. So, well, film is very, very flammable too, as we know from many movies. So, 
Oh, yeah. Great explosive. Uh, okay, so we also have um, the piano Jack plays appears to be the same Kawhi once owned by Charlie. So that's interesting. Charlie's hmm. piano somehow ended up on the <laughs> on island. The island. Um, I was going to add my own little episode fact here. The song that Jack is playing in this episode on the piano is actually part of the Lost soundtrack. Did you guys notice this? I did. <laughs> it's a very kind He's of uh, banging it out wink, there. wink <laughs> moment there. <laughs> He's playing a touching moment, which becomes one of the probably one of the most crucial lost soundtrack you know pieces in the lost soundtrack that plays i mean if you look it up on lostpedia the song is all across the series so it's it's very emotional but interesting that jack is playing that song (laughs) right there so kind of cool and then lastly when debating the issue of how many stories lock could (laughs) stories lock could realistically fall It's like a story in a building is what we're talking about here. The people involved in the production looked at a report of a man surviving a fall from a greater height. So apparently someone, you know, has jumped or or, or fallen from higher, higher than eight stories. So that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty high to survive. I mean, when Locke <laughs> fell out that window, that looked pretty far down. <laughs> yeah. And he just like right into the grass on his back. <laughs> oh, <insane>. <laughs> good <laughs> so yeah all right, all right. what do we got Steven? Well, we've been on the island now for 80 days mm-hmm. uh you know previously on lost we have Locke waking up on the beach we have Locke and anthony cooper in the operating room then we have Locke talking to anthony cooper inside his car about how cooper conned him for his kidney Kate saying that they have to get Jack back because she owes him that. Mikhail saying that the others have a submarine. Locke revealing that he had the C4 with him. And the A-team reaching the barracks and finding Jack playing football (laughs) with Tom. All right. All right, guys. So we have a couple of... um, We only have a couple of storylines we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, the first one uh, we can get into talk about this episode is the Locke flashbacks. Um, let's talk a little bit about Locke's flashbacks. Uh, again, Locke's flashbacks are usually depressing, and <laughs> this one is no, no different. Um, just look at the TV dinner he's eating. Uh, he's definitely not not you know not living his best life. Uh, so, what did we talk about a little bit? Has flashbacks. So we had a lot happen. In his life, we find out in this episode how he how he got paralyzed. We saw the last time he really saw quote unquote Anthony Cooper. Uh, obviously, we know that's different once we get on the island. So, where, where do you guys want to start at first with Locke? Well, um, I, I feel like that this was still one of like the last big mysteries from you know the start of the show. The main characters is. How did Locke end up in the wheelchair? Because we've obviously seen him in the wheelchair, not in the wheelchair. Um, but, you know, they, they've kind of done some fake outs on us. And they did another one even at the start of this episode where 
you know, he's at the disability office where, you know, yeah. we're assuming it's he's on disability because he's in the wheelchair. But then we see him get up and walk out. So, you know, it's, it's like they, they keep, you know, playing that little cat and mouse game with us where it's, you know, you're trying to figure out how he got in the wheelchair. And, you know, we found out a lot of the big mysteries, you know, we finally found out what Kate did and, you know, all, all the other, you know, main character mysteries. But this is the one that's kind of been floating out there for a while. And, well, we're, we're finally going to get the answer. Yeah, I'd say this and Sawyer's dad. You know, those, I mean, th- this season has some big reveals. Yeah. We're going to, I mean, this is, uh, it's linked to that. And we just mm-hmm. got this little, this big reveal of Claire in the previous episode. So, yeah. you know, a lot of these reveals, some things that have been kind of bubbling since season one are, are getting thrown at us. And it's, I mean, I remember it just being like so cool when you finally found this out. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if, I think it is a surprise just based on the first scene. I don't think that it was known that this episode was going to reveal. It doesn't say like in the episode description, we find out what happened to Locke. I think uh, that they deliberately kind of shrouded in, in a, you know, mystery, especially how, what you were saying, Stephen, about the first scene. He seems like he's already paralyzed and he stands up. And the man from Tallahassee is supposed to be such a misleading title as well, because it totally, it just brings it like a Sawyer episode, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It just yeah. doesn't seem, I mean, Locke, we know, lives in California. He's always, his story is always in California. And the man from Tallahassee, long behold, you know, John Locke episode. So. <laughs> mm. well, and I got to think that, you know, probably the reason we are getting all of these reveals that you talk about are, is because, you know, we're at the point where they've, you know, negotiated the end point of the series. They know where they're going. They know how much time they have to get there. So I feel like they may have even strung some of these out longer if they hadn't decided at this point that they're going to end it after six seasons. And, you know, in not too long of order, they're not going to be doing flashbacks anymore. So, you know, they're finally able to give us some of these answers. We They have been kind of stringing out, I think, because, you know, they they know where we're going and we're getting towards the end of flashbacks. Yeah, you know, we, we've seen Locke in the lowest of lows throughout his flashbacks throughout the series. And this is kind of like a culmination. This is almost, I mean, there's a couple more good Locke episodes in the series, but this is like the kind of the swan song or the, it's just like, it's like the masterpiece of this Locke background that we've been fed, <laughs> like of him, you know, with this this uh, kidney surgery and the stuff about his dad, like, Everything about Locke and his flashbacks, like they've come to a point here. He's so depressed, and we know that this is somewhere, you know, it's some somewhat from the aftermath of losing um, what's Helen. And, he, you know, he's so depressed that he's on disability from depression, you know, which is pretty intense. And then even in his apartment, like you were saying, the, the, uh, um, TV dinner, which I actually thought, you know, it didn't look too bad. Maybe I was just, just hungry at the time uh, when I was watching. <laughs> I've, I've had better. <laughs> but, but the whole, yeah, the whole apartment though was just such a depressing. It was like the perfect uh, apartment for like someone who's. It just had this vibe of of depressing. You know, they, they really did a good job with the lighting and the the yeah. decoration there to show his state of mind. I, I I tell you what though, it almost looked like 
so when he got out of the car after we find out that that the kids had been killed, after he got out of the car and the detectives walked up to him, I tell you what, I, every every single time I always think that looks like the hotel or the motel next to the airport that he was supposed to meet Anthony Cooper to <laughs> to, to split the money before he split with Helen. So it always looked like that to me. Like as soon as they got out, I'm like, okay. And then I realized it's a different place, but. That's neither here nor there. I just thought that would have been really cool if Locke had moved into that same motel where <laughs> Helen had left him. It, it does look similar. You know, limited locations filming. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh. So, you know, I, I feel bad for John because it, he's always getting conned. And then he's always being manipulated. He doesn't want anything to do with this with this Peter. He just doesn't he doesn't care. He's trying to get that. It seems like any time it has to do with his dad, it's like he can't let it go. And um, so he 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 said, "I'm tired of my dad, so I'm just going to step up to him." And he finally does. And then Daddy Dearest pushes him out the window. I mean, you just you get, and that's it. He gets conned again. He said, "Yeah, the phone, the phone's right over there." I'm like, "Okay, seriously, John? Like, you're gonna turn your back on this guy?" <laughs> just, yeah. I well, don't even know. I mean, just saying. Uh, this, this, uh, the start, the scene with what's his face, Peter, Peter yeah. Talbot, in comparing the performance of Terry O'Quinn in that scene. Just like a paranoid guy, like so depressed and just he doesn't trust. I mean, he, he seems like he can barely have a conversation to the lock on island who is at maybe the height of his confidence and is able to, you know, talk down to this, you know, mastermind in, in Ben. It's just interesting the the parallel or the, you know, kind of the contrast between those two versions of Locke because this is really Locke at his lowest. And the only thing that probably could have gotten him out of that room to go do something was this news that your dad is about to con someone else. And you can yeah. see kind of the fiery indignation, you know, just he's just enraged by this. Um, and there's there's so many great like one line, one, you know, lines of dialogue in this episode, just how many kidneys do you have? It's <laughs> <Just> like setting <laughs> up. <laughs> my uh, my favorite, my favorite was the, I have a sign, uh, the, the no solicitor sign. I have a sign. I have a sign. I love that. That was good. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's just like, he's like this, this old man. That's like 80 years old down the hall. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Did you see my sign? No, no soliciting. I thought about a sign. Oh. And just as a note here for logistics, I think they later say, the police say, that she was worth like $200 million or something like that. The family yeah. was. Something crazy. So, I mean, this is a big con by <laughs> Anthony Cooper or whatever the heck his name is now. But uh, he's really going for it. <laughs> So I mean, just, we never we never really get confirmation that that Anthony killed Peter. Like we, it's assumed he did, <laughs> but we never get like physical confirmation that he killed Peter. We so, don't. Yeah. We, we don't. don't. But I, here's the deal: 
Cooper Jay. is always working. He also he he's connected. He's got other. Just like remember, he had to pay off those guys when he pretended to be dead. He's got other people that he probably owes money to. I'm I don't know if he himself killed off this guy, but one of his goons probably did it. You know, one of his. I, I yeah. I feel like if he wasn't guilty, he probably wouldn't have reacted the way he did to Locke. You know, he he could have harmed Locke in the past, and he didn't. I I feel like probably if he was innocent of killing Talbot, he probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So, um, does does anybody else feel that like Locke just? I, I, I just lost my train of thought, guys. <laughs> Completely the opposite <laughs> direction. Like, oh my goodness. Like, well, leaving on a jet plane style. I just want to mention this while well, you regain that thought. Uh, the scene where Locke goes to confront Anthony Cooper for the first time. I, I don't know. Just, I, this scene always kind of makes me laugh. Like, he's, like, hiding behind the flowers. And he's just... just <laughs> <laughs> and his dad like oh excuse he's, me he's so <laughs> terrible John. well my question too is there was a cashier right there right next to him he and, was and he was but you still they they didn't they didn't move very far when they had this conversation about connie they're like that cashier should have heard what was going on maybe he walked away and it was just off screen but that, I mean, that, that, I didn't realize that cashier was right there by him when that conversation started. Uh, S- Stephen, are you not familiar with the cashier code? <laughs> you don't that... talk to somebody unless they talk to you. <laughs> you you don't repeat anything you hear. You know that's the code. Yeah, <laughs> is that kind of like HIPAA? Oh. Is, that, is that a HIPAA thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember my thought. Now here we go. All right, John Locke is an absolutely terrible liar. Did anybody else realize how terrible he was at lying? I mean, he 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 uh, the cops asked him about about Peter and he said, never heard of him. <laughs> just just absolutely terrible at lying. And then he said, he said, are really? Are you sure? Yep, Can't say can't say I have. I don't allow solicitors. <laughs> well, that's that, that's funny considering his paper, his name was on a piece of paper in your in his pocket. Oh, <laughs> he's he's just so terrible at it, and then like you know he's terrible at hiding. I, if you were to tell me that John Locke on the island had the backstory that we see that he has, I would have in no way believed you. Like the John Locke on the island is confident, forward thinking, not manipulated. He's the one manipulating people usually. He 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 is he is down the barrel. I would not have expected this, you know, unless, but since I know what I know, I do. So. And I I think that's, you know, kind of the point is that that all changed when he crashed on the island. That's why he doesn't want to get off the island. You know, I mean, that's why he's so, you know, bent on keeping, keeping any way to get off the island from happening. Um, Because, yeah, he doesn't want to go back to being that person. Yeah. There's another great line when he's talking to the detectives and, you know, he's trying to. Yeah, he's doing a pretty bad job lying here. And he and he's trying to get, you know, get away, get out of it. And they said, well, we found 
this envelope with your name on it in his pocket. <laughs> Why would you be going through his pockets? <laughs> Why else would they be going through his pockets? Because he's dead, yeah, which I always... There's just so many great little lines yeah. in this episode that I love. Hey, another one, uh, probably my favorite line in this episode was when he was talking to Peter Talbot, and and he, the guy asked, someone gave this guy his kidney, how bad could he be, right? <laughs> and that's <laughs> that, just... Yeah, that, that was... that one, as, an, as an audience, you, you know, you just laugh, like, and wow, you, what and, a... and, 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 and you kind of cringe a little bit, like, oh. yeah and that's part of what i was saying like this episode just feels like the culmination of like all of the lock stories we've had so far maybe besides the uh you know whatever the sweat lodge one but (laughs) everything else (laughs) adds to this oh and lock finally gets to you know actually threaten anthony cooper and like put some like muscle behind it in a way by saying like you need to step down um or you know you need to walk away from this marriage and when he hears about peter's murder which is horrible Locke actually goes and confront him and yeah i think you're right mike like don't turn your back on this guy i mean it's a valiant right. it's a valiant effort but he says all right oh okay so because before he would have just believed his dad, but this time he's like, "All right, so what if I call her right now? Will she say that you cancel the marriage?" And of course, you know his dad is totally caught in the lie, and there's, you know, there's really no way out besides tackling him out a window. I guess, man. I mean, what do you guys think of this scene? It's just. So I figured the dad should have fallen too because his forward progression was pretty fast to be able to stop himself. And Locke, no doubt, had a hold of his dad's back. So I don't know how Anthony never went out the window too. Well, there was, I don't know. But I I will do, I I do, okay, I will say too, the CGI was terrible at this scene. Like, (laughs) I, I, and, and I know they can only do what they can do because it's a it's a big window and they don't really want to throw somebody out. But <laughs> but that, that's probably like the only reason I, I docked a point off on this episode where my rating. I was like, guys, that that out of the window scene, I get it, but that window itself was terrible looking when it shattered. It was terrible CGI. I'm like, ah, pretty sure by pretty sure by, by by season three you had enough money to to do some things, but. And again, you probably wasted all your money on blowing the submarine up. <laughs> the submarine looked great. I mean, honestly, I didn't really notice that it was bad CGI. I thought it was far enough away that you couldn't really tell that much. I mean, the physics of it are weird. He pushes him out right. he doesn't fall. But I always thought there was some sort of kind of like a line there. There was like some sort of like barrier and Locke like went over it. And his dad probably like got stuck behind it. Yeah. Um, but that's just how I imagined it, maybe. I can see that. Um, anything else? I mean, we we could talk about the physical therapist at the end of the at the end of the episode, the absolute what? terrible bedside manner of this guy. Well, 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 I want to hear what what did Stephen? What do you think of the actual I, like scene where he gets pushed out? Yeah, I mean, this guy is just you. You find yourself, you know, trying to trying to like it. like he's really been a horrible character the whole time, but you know he is kind of charming, and sometimes you do believe him. 
and yeah, I mean, this is just about as awful of a thing as you could do. You know, it's like <clears throat> you, and it never made sense to me why he why he had the con lock out of the kidney instead of just you know being decent to him and asking him for it. And I mean, he's just this puts him up there with the most just evil characters on Lost, with the exception of Susan Porter, who is obviously the worst <laughs> Walt's mom. But yeah. you know, this puts him almost on her level. Um, I mean, I just he, you know, he runs some of the same cons that Sawyer does, but you know, Sawyer still has a a heart. You know, he kind of when. When he starts to care about people, you know, he tries to find way out when it, you know, the Cassidy con and stuff. But I mean, this guy just has no remorse, no heart, just, just pure evil. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the actor does, the actor's great, obviously, to make you, you know, you can kind of see, you know, how he, you know, manipulates people by, you know, he really kind of seems like a decent guy. But man, he is just a bad person. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I love that we get to this point and it feels very earned. Like, it feels like this would have seemed, I mean, if, if we were to be shown this in season one, it would have been, like, too much. Like, really? But we're at this point where we believe that this guy would do this. Like, he tries to <laughs> lie his way out of everything. But he doesn't care if people lose thousands, if not millions of dollars. He doesn't care if he ruins someone's life and the husband shoots himself and shoots his wife. He doesn't care um, if someone is killed like Peter and he's willing to push his own son out of an eight story building because he's angry and it's pretty brutal. And I just like this scene is not how it's not as sad as you would expect. It's more like just startling. You're just like, what? Like what? That it's just it's just so shocking, and it really took me. You know, it it really threw me off when I first first saw this, because it's not what I would have expected his his uh you know injury to to look like. Well, I I, I will say that as Locke was flying out the window, uh, or falling, I'm sorry, falling out the window, the song "Free Falling" came coming into my mind at that moment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I know. Uh, you, you know, there there are. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been you know, what fourteen years, years. <laughs> fourteen fifteen years. We're good. <laughs> One one thing I did also appreciate about that scene was the fact that it started off with uh, Cooper offering him some McCutcheon whiskey. You know, everyone's favorite whiskey, the, the harbinger of doom. You know, anybody who's offering you McCutcheon whiskey, you should be pretty right. skeptical of. Because there's some, some pretty bad dudes giving out that expensive McCutcheon whiskey. Or if you've been offered a drink of McCutcheon whiskey, you're probably going to be you're probably something really bad is probably going to happen to you or you're probably going to die. I mean, it's just typically what happens. I feel I feel like Anthony Cooper and uh, what's his name? Penny's dad would have been friends with more. They would have been friends. I think they would have got along. I think so, too. I think I remember episodes ago, maybe last season, I had (laughs) my own theory about John and every time he drinks whiskey because uh, 
every time John accepts whiskey from his dad, something horrible happens. <laughs> <laughs> the kidney, the whole thing, losing Helen. And my theory was like John is just like extremely an extreme lightweight when it comes to alcohol and it just affects him and he makes horrible decisions after one yes. sip of whiskey. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, so, you know, back to this physical therapist. Cause I just, I just, I just gotta say this guy ought to be fired from his job as a physical therapist. Tell like, I like I don't know. this guy. I like him. Bedside manner. I don't think that they're allowed to rip the blankets off of a patient <laughs> and then pick them up against their will and place them inside of a wheelchair. They, they may not be, but I feel like that's what Locke needed in this moment. I feel like he needed a little tough love, a little kick in the pants. I don't think he really cared about tough love in this moment. Well, he didn't, but... But I feel like I feel like the the, the, P, the PT guy did a pretty good job. I don't know. Hey, may, may have violated I, a couple company policies. I don't a know. Couple may have not <laughs> may not fly in twenty twenty one. But that you know that was that was good therapy back in two thousand four <laughs> or whatever <laughs> oh, this yeah. was. Two thousand. Maybe this was the, actually this would would have been in the nineties when this flashback occurred, right? Nineteen ninety nine or two thousand uh, or something. Because he's paralyzed for four years, I think. Yeah. But whenever it happens, I mean, I understand that he's kind of he's a little bit of a jerk, but he's also trying to push Locke because Locke, I mean, we already know he was extremely depressed and now he's been paralyzed from his own dad. Like he needs to do something. You're just sitting in a hospital bed. You're not going to feel any better about yourself. And. The orderly is right. Like, dude, you fell eight stories and survived. Like, that is crazy. I mean, you're blessed here. Well, you're, this is a miracle. Well, not not to spoil the future. We know how he survived, but let's just, <laughs> you know, yeah, he he did he did survive. He 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 had some help. He did have some help from Jacob, but I, I mean, I think I don't know. I almost. I like that scene, but I, I it almost kind of messes with how much I appreciate this episode that that uh, you know addition later on. But uh, it's fine. Yeah, you know, I also like the part of that scene where the orderly said, "You know, I don't want to hear about what you can't do." And I thought that that kind of you know we obviously know that's Locke's big thing. Don't tell me what I can't do. And I thought it was kind of funny to hear somebody else say that to him about himself. Um, so I don't know if that's where the start of that, you know, it, strongly it, it, held, held, strongly held feeling on his part came from. I think it very well could be. I Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to say is clearly this orderly made an impact on Locke because that becomes like his catchphrase. Don't tell me what I can't do. And it was this guy who put the idea in his head. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I like once he puts him in the chair and you just have Locke sitting there and he, you know, he gets them all situated. He's like, see, all right, it wasn't too bad. The emotion, like the raw emotion from Terry O'Quinn, uh, and he's all bruised and battered. I mean, to this day, I watch that scene and I and I kind of like, you know, tear up a little bit. It's emotional and you feel for him. And I uh, yeah, I find it very, very touching. Like that's the emotional scene uh, in this in this episode and i think 
I think it lives up to what you would what you wondered like how did he get paralyzed well the actual act is very shocking but then we get the real emotion of of what it would feel like to be paralyzed not only in general but from your father in such a traumatic way so yeah i mean he he's he's definitely got a lot on his mind because he he his his father's the one who did it to him. It wasn't just something some by accident or something that happened. It's it's just yeah. The 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 PTSD is real. That he um that he was it was done by his father for sure. So all right. Well, anything else about Locke's flashbacks that you guys got? Well, one little thing that I noticed for the first time, you know, the second time I watched it here recently is that. Uh, Locke was watching Expose in his apartment before, right before Peter Talbot showed up. I, yeah. I don't know how I had missed that before, but he was uh, watching a little Expose. I feel like you know that you know that could come around again. I don't know when, but it could. Locke likes a little razzle dazzle in his life. Razzle dazzle, oh please, please. <laughs> we gotta wait till next episode for that one. <laughs> don't, don't get Mike started. I, oh. I I love how Lost does that. You know, they throw in expose, they throw in Hurley in the back on the TV. You know, they just, you know, there's always little just nuggets thrown in there for the audience. It's it's fun. By the way, I have to say, so you you mentioned Hurley, and this is kind of off topic, and we can then we can move on to the barracks. But I was on Twitter earlier today, and somebody had posted, um. You know, famous, so, famous celebrities, social media pictures or whatever else like that. And one of them was um, a guy who was sitting next to um, uh, I, I, uh, Jorge Garcia on a plane. And he, and he looked up his phone, he took a picture, and he says, I don't know if I feel very comfortable on this flight anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yes. I said, if I was sitting next to one of those passengers, I probably would have done the exact same <laughs> caption on that mess. So, that's so, we're not Especially we're not going early. to we're not going to Guam, are we? Uh, <laughs> uh, flight attendant, I'd I'd like off this plane, please. <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd like a new flight. <laughs> so, hey man, I like polar bears. I'd be down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's talk about what's going on at the barracks, man. This is this is a pretty big storyline. So, last week or last time we talked, um. They all, Saeed, Locke, um, and Kate, arrived at the barracks. Kate was about to go out there and say, Jack, it's me. Look at me. I'm here for you. I, I didn't listen, and I came looking for you. And um, then she realized, oh, he's playing football with uh, good old Mr. Friendly. And uh, and that's kind of where we pick up. They're just watching him, and they're just like in suspense of disbelief. Like, I can't believe he's playing football. Oh, I can't believe he's walking Juliet home at night and and just a bunch of, like, what in the world's going on? They're just jealous that Jack is living his best life. That's what like, I'm talking about. It's like Jack summer camp. Out. He's, he's <laughs> playing football outside. He's practicing his piano. He's got the cute girl who seems to be into him. Yeah. He's in good with the, with the, the boss. You know, he's doing well. <laughs> he's got a piano in his house. I mean... It's the summer of Jack. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. So um this is this is just this is this is one of those good I, I love these scenes. More more or less I'm not a big fan of the Kate and Jack ones because it always bothered me that Kate never listens to Jack at all in this entire thing. But I, I I'm more of a fan of the lock and Ben dynamic this entire back part of the episode. Um what did well, you guys think of this lock and Ben dynamic? Well, I think it's notable we start this episode with them watching over Jack and then Locke takes the binoculars out. And at this point, we're still focused on like they're trying to rescue Jack. And you see Locke just turns the binoculars from Jack and like he's zoomed. I don't know if he can zoom in or not, but he's just like right there on Ben's face, just totally focusing on Ben. (laughs) And it just it is a clue to the audience that Locke though he seems to be helping with his best plan possible is way more focused on Ben or Henry Gale as he knew him than he is on rescuing Jack. And I mean, yeah, I mean, just to say it, this, this episode is an award winning episode for Terry O'Quinn. I mean, this, this is the episode where he won, uh, one of his, did he win one Emmy or two Emmys? I don't know, but he won an Emmy from this episode. And I believe that Michael Emerson was also nominated for an Emmy. I know Michael Emerson won in t- for season four, but like they are both of them give like award winning performances in this episode. They're fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I feel like that too. That's one of the, the best dynamics throughout the entire show, you know, from, from season two on, I mean, Locke is great with a lot of characters, and so is Ben. But when you put those two together, they're just so good at bouncing off each other and, you know, out out thinking, out talking each other. It's just those two actors do a great job portraying these two characters, and they just work really well together. In this episode, they're both, like, at their best. Like, the, the characters, I mean, the actors, too, but the characters... Like, yeah, Ben is in the wheelchair and he is, you know, kind of, you know, he's got, Locke has the gun pointed at him. But they both are in positions of power and kind of taking jabs at each other back and forth. There's not it's not the same as when Locke um, had Henry Gale in a prison cell. It's not the same dynamic in this episode. They're both kind of doing their thing. And Ben is using information as a weapon against uh, Locke. And then Locke is, you know. He just he's just so reckless that everything kind of bounces off him. Like other people try to tell him stuff all episode, and he just doesn't really <laughs> listen to anything. But by the way, uh, Terry O'Quinn did submit this episode for outstanding supporting actor in a drama series at the Emmys, and he did go on to win that one. It also was sent in for outstanding writing for a drama series, which it didn't win. So yeah, he he did get an Emmy for this episode. I remember because that was one of the first times I watched the Emmys live because I really wanted to know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I I love um, this whole. See, I this is going to sound bad. I thought the Jack Cape story in this one was just was kind of boring. If, if that sounds bad, I mean, I understand what was going on. You know, I told you not to come back for me. You ruined everything. I had it. And as he gets up, he whispers in her ear. You know, but don't worry, I'll come back for you. You know, just one of those 
<laughs> you know, obviously. And then, of course, you had the moment at the end where Jack kind of looked at Locke like, seriously, dude? <laughs> I was just about to get off this place. Seriously? But the main intriguing thing to me was the Locke and Ben, ben story. Um, just the way he snuck into the room um, and just just Ben manipulating Locke, but he's not really manipulating Locke. Really, Locke is manipulating Ben. It's just it's a bunch of 3D chess is what it is. One thing I love about Ben is how even when he's in <clears throat> just precarious situations, he still somehow gains control of the situation you know he was he was in he was tied up in the in our armory for a you know half of a season but he still often got the upper hand on jack and Locke. and i mean he's in the he's in the bed here has to ask Locke to help him get up and has you know basically has a gun to it gun held to him and his daughter's head and he still maintains control of the situation it's it's one of the things that makes Ben one of the great, you know, villains and, you know, uh, I don't know if he's a, if we call him a villain, but what he's an anti anti, yeah. Antagonist ben, for our people. Ben is a villain. He's for sure. I mean, he comes around later, but for, <laughs> he's a villain for five seasons and then he comes around in season six a little bit. It becomes an anti-hero. <laughs> But uh, I, but he's just he's just he's so good at, he's so good at it and it's it's just fun to watch him work. Well, John comes in. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, actually, I I just wanted to, to to point out that it's funny seeing John defend Jack at the beginning of this episode. Like Kate is up in arms, like, "What is he doing? Playing football, having fun? Like, I thought he was." I thought he was, you know, being held at gunpoint and being, you know, tortured. And Jack, I mean, uh, Locke is actually like, hey, well, the doctor may have found himself in a better position. Like, he may have negotiated himself in something positive, and maybe he doesn't need rescuing. So he's trying to give Jack some credit here. And Kate is is kind of, like, really <laughs> disturbed by la- uh, Jack's, like, you know, laissez-faire attitude out here. Um, and I I really like the fact, too, that Locke said that there about the first time I saw him, you know, he was pulling people out of the wreckage. Like, I think it's good to remember that Locke remembers that because him and, and Jack are at odds for so much of the series. You know, it's good that he remembers and knows that Jack, you know, is on their side and, and will sacrifice himself for the group and um, I just I thought it was nice that he remembered that. Yeah, as someone who's seen this episode, you know, tens of tens of how, however many times, <laughs> like that was the line that actually stood out to me because that's something that I may have not been zeroing in on, you know, in my you know all the other times I watched it because it's kind of it's not it doesn't have to do with the episode very much, but as a series as the whole series, especially the later couple seasons how Locke and Jack's relationship kind of become the focal point of the last season. It's interesting seeing this line here, just the little character moments, even though Jack and Locke don't really interact much in this episode, but the way they think of each other is really interesting. Because it does come so important to the series. Um, oh yeah. 
it always was way when when jack has this reawakening <laughs> so, um but yeah i was just gonna say you know when Locke sneaks up on and ben on ben like that is kind of the twist to to the audience that you know i don't care about i'm not here for jack i'm here for the submarine which is you know always a kind of a it was a great little line there that i remember you'd see on like Locke lost commercials when they'd be like lost rewatches on tv tonight they'd always have that line in there um and Locke gets the upper hand on him pretty quickly uh, you know kind of a tough look for Locke just quickly <laughs> taking the 16 year old girl and putting her at gunpoint in the <laughs> in the closet but you know uh he's nice to her later <laughs> Locke got violent on this one man <laughs> yeah he wasn't messing around he, he did apologize to her later. I mean, that's yeah. something. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But then I love how Ben totally flips on it, flips it on Locke by just relaying basically Locke's entire life to him. I know you did this. I know you were in Tustin, you know, kind of a, it kind of rips Tustin right there. I know you were very unhappy in Tustin for four years. <laughs> At an industrial <laughs> box company. <laughs> Which I've been to Tustin. It's not that great. Um, it's not. Sorry for all those <laughs> listeners who there. Get a better town. Uh, <laughs> no, I am. Um, so uh, he does get the other hand, and it's and and when Ben realizes, okay, he's got C four in there. I think this kind of worked in Ben's favor because I think blowing up the sub was twofold. I think that Locke didn't want to leave. Because and he didn't want anybody to leave to go get help because he was afraid what's happened to his legs. But I think on the same other side, Ben didn't care that Locke was going to blow it up because I don't think Ben wanted anybody to leave the island because Ben knew that once people left the island, what happened? He lost all his power over the people. So I think there was a a a a double sided coin to this that neither one wanted the sub really. So that's why. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, they both happen to want the same thing here, but it's, I mean, I don't know. Uh, exactly. I mean, Ben plays his, his cards kind of close close to his chest, but he says he wants people to have the illusion that they can leave at any time. So he doesn't want to seem like he's holding his his people captive, but, and that's what the sub is for. That's <clears throat> That's what the outside communication is for. But he also really doesn't want, jack to leave so yeah this is almost like a blessing to him that that Locke is doing this but i mean that's not really the point that they kind of at the end want the same thing it's this like battle of of power and what i was going to say that i loved in this episode is we as the audience know that Locke was paralyzed and maybe a couple other people like walt i guess was told i don't really know anybody else it's never like an openly discussed thing on the island. And it's very cool to have Ben know everything about this. And, and it like is the, the lore kind of nerd in me was interested when he said, oh, when did it happen? Did it Was it immediate when you got on uh, the island? Uh, like how did it work? To try to figure out like what the healing properties of the island are. And then what was really interesting was, you know, Locke being like, hey, well, yeah. If the island can heal people, what's what's the deal with you, man? Like you had to have the surgery and now you're slowly recovering. You're still in a wheelchair. Like what's going on? I thought if you're this like great uh, 
uh, you know, per- this person who's one with the island, uh, what's your problem? <laughs> Which I think is a big part of the lost mythology is the healing properties and like what it means. Yes. So I was really glad that we actually like got to revisit this. Um, amidst a bunch of emotional beats too, because <laughs> in that same scene, I think is when Ben asks him for the first time, did it hurt when you got paralyzed? And Locke's like, uh, no crap. Like, duh, dude. Like, I fell out of I a fell building. In eight, story. Or, or, or he didn't say that. He said, uh, my back broke. <laughs> like, yeah, it hurt. Well, I also, the last time that Ben had seen, or that Locke had seen Ben, Ben was starting to tell him that he knew him, basically, when they were still in the hatch. And, that, and they never got to finish that conversation. So that was the last time, you know, so I think Locke has been wanting to know for however much time has passed between when Ben escaped and now. It hasn't been a long time, but I mean, I think he's wanted to know how Ben knows about him. Um, So I, I feel like, you know, this is, you know, part of the reason why Locke is so intent on, you know, what Ben knows um, is because he had, you know, I I forget exactly how he worded it, but, you know, basically he started telling him that, that he knew about him back when they were in the hatch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he totally plants the seeds. There's a couple moments throughout this episode where, Ben will, you know, kind of hint at the fact that Locke should come with him and I'll show you. Oh, there's yeah, one of the best scenes of the whole episode, I think. One of my actually one of my favorite scenes in the series when they get to the kitchen and they're talking and Ben, he starts to reel in Locke a little bit. He's like, I'll take you out. I'll show you the mysteries of this island, things that you have no clue clue about. And then he brings up the magic box. For instance, there's a magic box. And then Locke is like, okay, this guy's just full of crap. Like he he totally backs off of it, which I love that nothing really affects Locke in this episode. He's just like, whatever, I'm, I have a mission. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And he gives this great line. Like, I hope that box is big enough to imagine yourself another submarine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, oh, I feel like this is one of those episodes. We just, we get a lot of information in this episode. And we don't know what it all means, especially at this point in the series. But this is one of those, I feel like a lot of people look back fondly on this episode because we do find out so much about the island and, you know, and Ben and and Locke and everything in this episode. Obviously, some of it wasn't true. Like when Ben said he was born on the island, we learned later that was a lie. But, you know, the mystery box and then the reveal at the end you know, that's a big kind of overall what is the island kind of answer that, you know, people really, in you know, we're looking for. Yeah, and on top of that, like, the other thing that avid Lost fans like ourselves may overlook, and I, I kind of had forgotten, when you think about this, this is one of our first real visits to the barracks. I mean, we've been there briefly in like the beginning of this season in the uh, little flashback with Juliet. But this is the first time our characters have lived there. And 
experimented, you know, with the danger there of like trying to hide from these armed individuals and the fear. And it's, it, you know, it has this like creepy vibe to it because it's also like this quaint little town almost. And having Kate locked up in the billiards room, I mean, it's just, it always just stands out in my mind. It's just like these great images that you remember. I know that you're not a huge fan of that scene, Mike, but I really liked the scenes with Jack and Kate. I thought they were, um, they really paid off some of the emotion from earlier in the season. And I just love uh, Saeed being locked to the the playset. I mean, that playset ends up playing, uh, you know, there's a lot of major scenes that happen right there over the next yeah. few seasons. There are. Poor and Kimi. that's all set up in this episode, really. Yeah. Poor Martin Kimi. Uh, <laughs> but, and also, it just as far as that Saeed scene goes, I love the fact that he put two and two together, that that was Alex, that that was Danielle's daughter. I thought that was a really great scene. And you could, you, I mean, you you could see the emotion in Saeed's face. You know, he knew who this was and what that meant and that she was still alive. So I really like that. And I do think that you can tell, I mean, they did a great job of casting because Alex and Danielle, I mean, they look like mother and daughter, you mm-hmm. know, RIP Mira Furlan. Um, but I just, I love that scene with Saeed and, and her, when she went to get the pack, I thought that was another highlight. Be a little gentler with it, the pack, though. She slams yeah. it down. It's got C4 well, in there. <laughs> well, she didn't know it had C4 in it, yeah. did she? She did not. No. Just saying. But if, it, it was also. If, if it was dynamite and Arch was carrying it, but boom. <laughs> boom. I also like that. That's the first time that Alex found out her mother was still alive. So. You know, they're pretty big, pretty big bit of information there. That yep. Saeed got yeah, good for Saeed. <laughs> yeah, I need a, a rifle butt to the face. I mean, good for him for just saying it. He probably knew that was coming. Oh, yeah. I, I like that John says he didn't like chicken before this. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. <laughs> I don't think I ever appreciated well, chicken until this moment. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, I, so, I, it's just so human. It was it was funny, but I gotta say, I the one part I was a little confused about Locke is when he starts going on about how they are cheating, how they're cheating by living in houses, how they're cheating by having chicken in the refrigerator, and after he had just enjoyed the chicken, like I don't get how by having electricity, I don't get what he was trying to say there. Like, are they supposed to be living out in the woods? Like, what is it that they were doing that he felt? the island wouldn't support like i did, what did you guys think he meant by that well i do think that he's right in that they're kind of liars in that they present like this primitive lifestyle but they really don't live like that at all and then i think yeah i think you're supposed to be more harmonious with the island i mean i know he eventually takes people to the barracks but i think that might be more of a strategic thing but I think that some of this does line up because we'll learn later that there actually was some controversy um, with the others in Ben's decision to take over the barracks after the perch. A lot of them, I can't remember what episode, but at some point it's discussed. A lot of them thought that they shouldn't, um, they shouldn't do that, that that was like the Dharma initiative and like we shouldn't meddle with that type of stuff. Like that's not what we're supposed to do. And he kind of lost his way 
from what Jacob wanted them to do, supposedly. But yeah, some of it didn't exactly add up because, um, you know, obviously Locke is enjoying that that chicken there. But <laughs> it's like when you go like on a hike or if you've been camping, you get home and you go in your fridge and there's like leftovers. You're like, oh, my gosh, this tastes so good right now. These cold <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> so hungry. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, yeah, and this, yeah, I was just going to point again, like, Ben, he's just, like, teasing Locke with, like, all of his knowledge about the island, and we know that this is such a great setup for the rest of the season, because Locke's whole journey the rest of the season is going to be all these stupid mind games that Ben plays with Locke, where he gives him real information, but also gives him blatant lies, like Jacob and other things, and... We can see he's starting to do that now. Now, Locke is pretty steadfast in what he wants to accomplish in trying to blow up the sub. And, and it, you know, seems like destiny because Locke, I mean, Jack is about to leave in one hour on, <laughs> on the sub. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, what, what do you guys think? What would have happened if Jack actually got off the island? <laughs> would he end, Would he have, like, wanted to come back? Or, we like, got to go back, Kate! I, I feel like he sincerely planned on getting off the island and coming bringing help back. Like, I, I feel like that was his goal. Now, whether that would have been possible, I don't know, because, you know, Ben also, he throws it in kind of last minute, um, but the fact that because of, that he blamed the, the, what did he blame, the anomaly or the EMP or something, they said that once the sub left, it wouldn't be able to come back. Now, I don't know if he was telling the truth there or if that he was just trying to manipulate Locke. But um, but I definitely think that Jack's intentions were to come back and help. I agree with that. I think so, too. I, I don't think he was going to leave Kate and all them back um, on the island. He, uh, he was going to definitely try to find his way back. So I'm there with you, Corey and Steven. I, I, I think that's what's going to happen, too. But obviously we know they didn't because boom, the submarine went bye bye. Which so special effects looked really good. I have to say they really killed it on that. That explosion looked a practical effect to me. It it looked really really good. Um, We get that long. We get that stare ish between. Of course, Locke walks back down the pier. Back down the dock after blowing the submarine up. Can I just say, what is he wet from? That, that was one of my questions too, because my thought Where, was that he had he had to get he had to get in the water to get out of the submarine. But if so, he would have had to get in the water to get in the submarine, so he would have been wet when he was down in the submarine, and he wasn't. So that was one of my big questions too. How did he get wet? Did he did he crawl under the submarine to attach the C four maybe? at the end, but I would think he would have just put it in the submarine. Was he just, it was a celebratory jump in the water. Where he just sweats <laughs> a lot. I mean, I don't Cannonball. know. <laughs> oh, so they, they kind of get like that, that nice little, uh, stare down between Jack and, and Locke. That's definitely going to come back here in a future episode. Uh, and then Ben's like, Hey, let me show you my magic box. <laughs> I'm going to show you the box. I'm going to show you what was in it. <laughs> and we get this so we get this scene we go down into the bottom of a barrack or or into the to Ben's basement and we get this door open and and um 
Who do we see inside the room? None other than Mr. Anthony Cooper himself. Yeah, what a we bombshell get a... moment. It really it's gotta is. Be up, I mean, we... Gotta be up there with one of the top, you know, cliffhanger endings of the show. Yes, a hundred percent. It was totally a like a WTF moment for me because I'm like, what? Like, what? That doesn't even that doesn't even make sense. I almost thought, is this show getting like? Is it getting too crazy? Like, is there like what? What is happening with with this? Like, there's really, it it took it threw me off so much. I didn't really know how to take it because I loved the whole episode. But when I first watched this, that ending like really was so bizarre to me. I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, that just seems weird. But you know, we can summarize or theorize on this later with more when there's more Anthony Cooper. But like on the lengths that Ben will go to play mind games to get this guy there to do all this. And obviously he's prepared for that. But yeah, I mean, how long do we think he has been here? Like, have they just been waiting for Locke to show up? We're just going to keep this guy until Locke gets here. Well, didn't, didn't Ben say something like the submarine just got back or something? Um, Yeah. Right, so yeah. because he said that, I think that's when they brought Anthony Cooper. I don't think he's been there for you know the whole eighty days. I think he's just been there when they just went out and got him. It's like it's like, it's like Ben knew. Okay, eventually Locke and them are going to make it over here. So because of course we see in the next episode that they kept tabs on the lost on the losties like pretty pretty regularly and pretty well. Mm-hmm. So they knew eventually they were going to make their way over there. And I, th- I don't, so I don't think he was there. I don't think he was there long. Yeah. Well, I like we get. I like how we get a little Richard Albert here. You know, they're starting to yeah. sprinkle him in, and we're gonna we're kind of be curious about this guy as the as the episodes go on. But yeah, I know. I mean, I don't remember exactly what they talk about, but just another killer scene at the end there with between um, Emerson and, and Terry O'Quinn, like. I don't know what's like four or five just fantastic scenes between the two. Yes. The one other thing I wanted to point out, and it's something we'll think about throughout the rest of the season, the moment where they're going back and forth kind of in the kitchen, which was my favorite scene. And Ben says, what makes you think, you know, this Island better than I do. He says, you know, of course, because you're in the wheelchair and I'm not. And I think that line, Locke saying that, is just going to eat away at Ben. Mm-hmm. Like he cannot bear it. Maybe if Locke didn't point that out, might have been differently. But that it basically informs what Ben does the rest of the season. Like he cannot accept a guy like this. That's why he has to test Locke, try to embarrass him, humiliate him, and then ultimately try to kill him. Like that's the the story of these two for throughout throughout the rest of the season. I think it all really starts from that moment there. I agree. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you guys got? Well, from that last scene, I I think the part that I thought was so interesting is when Ben said, you know, I wasn't asking you how it felt when you fell. You know, I wasn't asking you did it hurt. I'm asking you. How did it feel that your dad threw you out a window, pretty much? And I just thought that was really interesting, especially coming from Ben, knowing his relationship with uh, with his father that we're going to learn about in the future. I love that that's what, you know, 
then was really kind of honing in on there. It's how did it feel that your dad, you know, paralyzed you? And, you know, wouldn't you like to get some revenge on him? Kind of. Yeah. yeah, really setting that up. One little note, uh, you know, this is mainly all about Locke, but Jack coming in with Juliet to talk with Ben and then Jack again shaking Ben's hand. It's just it's really interesting seeing that and how they have come to a little bit of an agreement here and where those two characters are going to be by the end of the season where Jack is just beating uh, Ben's face into a bloody pulp. You know, it's <laughs> it's really interesting. This is probably the most civil they ever are in their relationship. Oh, yeah. He he beats the daylight out of him. Yeah. So all right. Well, uh, let's kind of, I guess, start running toward home then um, with uh, our, our, our in memoriam uh, by Peter Talbot. Uh, we barely knew ye, and <laughs> you crossed the wrong con artist. So uh, Peter's gone, and then goodbye to the submarine. As it's uh, <laughs> completely gone, we, we we no longer have it, and the sh- and the fish that were probably swimming around the submarine as well. Um, but as we rate this movie, let's talk about some ratings here. So one out of twenty three, we're going to rate it as poorly wrapped leftover chicken. So one out of twenty three, poorly wrapped leftover chicken. Do they not have Tupperware on the island? I mean, he just threw some foil on top of this huge platter. Come on. Come on, Ben. I mean... Pretty advanced technology there. I mean, they, they got <laughs> foil. So, I mean... <laughs> uh, Corey, how many uh, poorly wrapped leftover chickens do you give this one? You know what? I am not going to hold back. Booyah. This has always been one of my favorite episodes. For years, it was undisputed my number one favorite episode. Now, you know, it's 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 still a way up there. But, yeah, 23 out of 23. Perfect episode, in my opinion. Wow. 20 right. out of 23 poorly wrapped leftover chickens, you know. Ah, nice, nice. All right, Stephen, what about you? Well, I gave this one 22 out of 23 poorly wrapped leftover chickens. Um... You know, no real good reason even to dock at that point. The more, the more I think about it, it was just kind of one of those, like, I feel like 23s I got to save for my absolute favorite episodes. And there's a few I liked better, but really no complaints on this other than uh, Locke's hair in the flashback What wasn't great. Um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, say, we'll say that's why I knocked that's the true. point off. But great, great episode. Great Whoa. episode. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of along the lines with Steven. Um, it's a 22 out of 23, so it's still a very, very good episode. Like, it is a very high-quality episode. It's, uh, you know, perfect score, stay with me, for, for certain episodes, like Season 3, Episode 10. Um, but, you know, this, this again, that one point, I guess I kind of docked it again, I said, because of the CGI falling out the wood. It just seemed really, seemed really corny. Um even the whole run up to that scene, but, uh, but it's, it's still a very good episode. Like if there was an episode, I just say, you know what? I want to watch a good episode with good drama, good character development, good everything. I would just pop this episode in at random. It's a great episode of lost. One of the best, definitely one of the top five episodes. Um, and, and, uh, I had 22 out of 23. So great episode, great episode. All right, Corey, 
where are we at at the end here? Yeah. All right. We we don't have any. There's no major unanswered questions. So we got nothing there. Sawyer's name dictionary. No Sawyer. We're at a freckle count of 25 still. And we have some pop culture connections. Not a ton, but a few. First of all, a brief history of time. This 1988 book by Stephen Hawking is seen in Ben's living space. It was seen before in Not in Portland, where Aldo was reading it. Um, And then we have The Gunslinger. I've read that book. Uh, This 1978 novel by Stephen King can be seen next to Ben's bed. The story centers upon The Gunslinger, who has been chasing his adversary, The Man in Black, for years. I think a note on that name, the man in black. Yeah, the yeah, important <laughs> character in that series. Um, yeah. And in this ben one, wasn't li- Ben wasn't lying when he said he really likes Stephen King. He, yeah, again, yeah. more confusion <laughs> as to whether Ben likes or dislikes Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's just, just not caring. And then we have the Bible. Locke referred to uh, the others in general and Ben in specific as Pharisees. Pharisees were a prominent sect of Jews in Christ's time. They opposed Jesus in his teachings and plotted his death, Matthew 12, 14. The word um, is used in the meaning of hypocrites. Yeah, they were seen, seen as you know preaching and not you know, believe, you know doing what they preach. Right. Uh, and then we've got Jag. During this during their conversation at the sub, Ben asks Locke how he plans to pilot it. Locke says, for all I know, I used to be a commander in the Navy. This is a reference to Terry Quinn's earlier role in JAG. So that's that's great, too. So. All right, Stephen, how are we going to expose ourselves next time? <laughs> well, next episode we will be uh, what? exposing ourselves <laughs> to expose. <laughs> I'm sorry, that little hyphen wasn't there. So yeah, that, that, that was a uh, that's an important little okay, so uh, hyphen there. Expose ourselves to next episode. <laughs> we will expose ourselves to expose uh, the oh, long-awaited, right. highly anticipated. Nikki and Paolo. That's an episode. episode. Thank you so much for. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, we're talking about expose, the Nikki and Paolo episode. So it's been good. Listen, it has been a great uh, discussion tonight on the Man from Tallahassee, one of the best episodes of Lost by far. And uh, I can't wait to see. Um, what next time holds and the episode we're going to discuss next time and give our critical, rational thinking on as we watch it. So with that being said, thank you so much for coming in uh, and listening to Previously on Lost. Until next time, stay safe, have fun, and uh, see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a good one.